You're listening to the Upper Room Frisco podcast. To learn more about UR Frisco, please visit UpperRoomFrisco.com. That's something that I love about Upper Room is that in in worship, uh, in transition, in in the preaching, in 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 the whole evening, our um, our main objective is to minister to the heart of God and let Him do what He wants to do. Which is why there there are moments in worship where we strike strike a chord with the heart of God, where we we begin to feel His pleasure on a certain lyric that we're singing and we sing it again and we feel his pleasure wash over us we feel his affection wash over us and we sing it again and i just there's something that i love about us we we minister to the heart of god through worship and prayer morning noon and night and i believe that because we're putting him first we're experiencing his presence transforming lives morning noon and night i know that there are people in this room who've had victories in their marriage this year. There are people in this room who've had victories in in parenting and raising kids this year. There are people in this room who've had promotions and bonuses and breakthroughs and new houses and great new plans from the Holy Spirit that have given us vision and hope. Um, And I just believe that 2021 is going to be amazing. No matter what this year has dealt out, we know the end of the story. We have Christ living inside of us. We are eternally united and wrapped up in the divine romance between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit forever. Um, On Christmas Eve morning, I want to tell you guys a a story. It's kind of a silly story, but we woke up and realized that we needed diapers. And it was Christmas Eve, and so I started driving to Walmart. And as I was nearing the entrance ramp onto 635, I look in my rearview mirror, and I see a guy driving recklessly. He cuts off one guy. He's flying down the entrance. It's a two-lane road running along what's about to be an entrance ramp lane. And I'm about to get on the entrance ramp, but I see him coming up so fast And I know what he wants to do is thread the needle and cut in front of me. And um, and so, um, do you guys think that I kind of like slowed down and allowed him to? (laughs) No. (laughs) Unfortunately, (laughs) I did what most red-blooded men would do. I sped up, and I kept him from merging in front of me. Well, he escalated it, and he hits the accelerator and wraps around the car that's in front of me, gets on the entrance ramp. The car that's in front of me continues straight, and I'm on the entrance ramp, and he's on the entrance ramp in front of me, and he slams on his brakes. Road rage, Christmas Eve. And not only did I haven't even told Ashley this, because I'm finally not ashamed anymore. Um, (laughs) He slams on his brakes to a complete stop on the entrance ramp. And I'm looking in my rearview mirror. Thankfully, there's no cars coming up on me. And he lets me know that he's relatively upset with me by raising a certain finger 
And um, I wasn't like scared or compromised. I just sat there as calm as possible. I knew that this was just going to end. And eventually it did. He drove off and I drove off. And, uh, but I, I recognized that I was now carrying a weight. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? And I, I was thinking, oh, wouldn't it be nice if you just got pulled over by a cop right now or blew a tire or, this is your pastor speaking. And, <clears throat> and I, had the, I had anger, disapproval. I was judging him. This lasted for about 30 seconds. And I just stewed and I let my blood boil until I did what I've been trained to do by my best friend, Jesus. I forgave him. I let him off the hook and I began to pray that blessings would reign in that man's life. And what I felt was the weight lift off of me, my peace returned, and it felt like my soul got out of jail. Anybody ever been uh, uh, dampened by road rage before? It takes a little while to think straight. Or, or you've been offended or hurt by someone, and, and it takes you a little while to realize that you've been reciting in your head over and over again the argument that you had, and suddenly now you're winning every argument against that person in your head? Just me. <clears throat> and, I, you know... I, this, this exit, I've never really had any issues getting on or off this exit, but this was just a few days ago that this happened. And then as I was driving to church tonight, I'm meditating on you know, what I wanted to share with you guys. And I'm thinking about the, story, the road rage story. And I kid you not, as I'm getting on the freeway, I see three pickup trucks flying, weaving in and out of each other. And no joke, the pickup truck in the front starts throwing tiles out of his open window at the trucks behind him while big tiles are shattering on the freeway, and now I'm dodging tiles. <laughs> and so, <clears throat> is every, everybody's blood pressure up a little bit? <laughs> I felt like it was God. Just he, he was giving me a glimpse of what anger can do. And, and he was putting an, an exclamation point on that story that I would share it with you tonight. You know, um, Paul, like any other man, has dealt with anger. And at one point in his life, he decided that he was going to do a powerful thing to protect his soul's health and preserve the, the health, the environment of his inner world, you know, his, his mind, his will, and emotions. Uh, Paul, he's obviously, he had been through a lot. Paul, he's seen a lot of victories and a lot of failures. He's had, just like us, he's had good days and bad days. I bet Paul has even had moments of doubt or confusion Probably not doubt that God exists, seeing as how he showed up to him and knocked him off a donkey. But he probably had moments of doubt, wondering if God was going to rescue him again this time. Or if God was going to show up again this time. He probably had moments of confusion. You know, he devoted his life to the, the man who saved him on the road to Damascus. But that doesn't mean that he didn't have hard days. 
And so he decided that he's going to do this powerful thing to protect his inner world. And I believe that that's something that's key for us moving into the next year. And it's from Philippians 3.13. He says, one thing I do, I forget what lies behind and I press on towards what is ahead. That's a good verse for the end of the year, isn't it? Forgetting what lies behind and pressing on towards what's ahead. And Paul, in this moment, he's talking about his pursuit of the one who, pus- who pursued him. <laughs> he's talking about laying hold of the things for the one who laid hold of him. Two verses later, though, he writes that he is actually weeping right now as he's writing. He says, I'm weeping knowing that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ and they're headed towards destruction. And he's not relishing their destruction. He's actually weeping over it. He says that their minds are set on earthly things, but our, our citizenship is in heaven. He's saying these people who are acting as enemies are deceived because their minds are set on earthly things when our citizenship is in heaven. That should give us a perspective of how to deal with people who are being mean to us or manifesting hell on us. We're recognizing that they're deceived, Their minds are set on the things of earth, but we are citizens from above. And I'm not going to get involved in civilian affairs. I'm going to live to please my commanding officer. See, Philippians 3 and Paul's resolution to forget what's in the past, I believe it is so important for us right now. If you can imagine with me that your soul is like a traveler on a journey on foot. And you get frustrated. Every time you get frustrated, it's like you, you pick up a five-pound stone and put it in your backpack. And you get angry at someone and you pick up a five-pound stone and put it in your backpack. You start condemning yourself for, the, for not being able to deal with it better. And you pick up another five-pound stone and put it in your backpack. You get offended and scared. And every time you have one of these moments, these hard moments, you pick up another five-pound stone and put it in your backpack. And suddenly, you're barely able to walk on this journey of life. And so, in, and, and in that moment, instead of laying down your, your backpack and all those stones at the feet of Jesus, you grab a wheelbarrow. <laughs> and you, you take your backpack and you put it in the wheelbarrow and the wheelbarrow is a coping mechanism. It's usually an addiction or some not good way of pursuing pleasure in your life, something that you're using to cope with all the weight that you're carrying and you're thinking for a little while, oh, there's less weight on my back and then you get offended again and you put another five pound stone in your backpack And time goes on and suddenly you have a full backpack and a full wheelbarrow and you're barely advancing with the Lord in this journey of life. Guys, the only thing that we should be wearing is a garment of praise. And when we have these moments when we realize that we're weighed down by all the offenses or the hardships that we've had of the past year, he will literally, like Eric was singing, he will trade us all that heaviness for a garment of praise. I'll say, that's a deal that I'm into. In pre-service prayer, like we were praying and often cool prophetic things happen and, 
and no one in pre-service prayer knew what I was going to be preaching on. And Liz just said, I, I just see, um, I have a vision. And in the vision, we're all taking out stones and laying them at the feet of Jesus. And I'm like, you, it's like on page two. <laughs> so as we end this year, that's been full of plot twists and enter a new one. I want us to walk into 2021 without an ounce of baggage from 2020. Instead of grading ourselves, just saying you did good, but he did better. Guys, when I feel weak or when I feel like I've failed, I begin to boast in his strength and he turns my weakness into a strength that is stronger than the one that I could have mustered up without the original weakness that I disdained. Forgetting what's behind means that we are dropping offenses and 2020 was like a all you can eat buffet of offense. <laughs> We walked into a restaurant and we could eat all the bitterness we wanted. <laughs> people got offended that American freedoms were being taken away. Or on the opposite end, people were angry that the government isn't doing more to control the people. You can get upset over face masks or social distancing or the lack of it. If you walked into a business without a mask on, you probably had moments with people treating you with varying degrees of kindness, even if you just forgot your mask. People lost livelihoods when businesses were forced closed because they weren't deemed essential or customers stayed home out of fear. There were many reports and theories that if were proven factual would certainly warrant indignation. And then there were tons of counter arguments to listen to. You could get angry at Democrats. You could get angry at Republicans. You could get frustrated by pastors or the church as a whole for not championing, championing your cause or taking a, a stand politically or taking the wrong stand. We had tragedies this year. Tragedies with their roots in racism and subsequent outrage and rioting and division on how to handle it or how to address it. I'm sure if you guys are on social media for like any amount of time, you probably didn't make it through the year without someone getting mad at you or you getting mad at someone or you arguing with someone or if you're like me, maybe you wanted to win an argument so bad that you're willing to belittle someone. It was all out there in 2020 and you're probably thinking right now, Jeremy, I thought we were supposed to forget, <laughs> but you keep on tracking up all this stuff. Well, guys, we... We can't lay everything at the feet of Jesus without pulling it out of our backpack and recognizing it and laying it there and maybe having a good laugh at ourselves for how silly we were. People didn't want to just win debates or prove a point. They literally wanted to eviscerate and embarrass their opponents. And then to add insult to injury, I don't know what's worse, but this is really bad. We started getting into self-condemnation and ashamed of ourselves for not handling things better or ashamed of ourselves for not knowing better. By the time Paul wrote Philippians 3 and said that he's decided just to forget what lies behind and press on towards what's ahead, even when dealing with enemies of the cross, 
He had been hurt by a lot of people. We know from 2 Corinthians 11 that he had been betrayed by people who called themselves his brothers. He even had a falling out with Barnabas and a fight with Peter, but he refused to carry that offense. He chose to forgive. I think that Paul, at his best moments, realized that he was a lot like that sinful woman who barged into the room where Jesus was and kissed his feet with her tears, and he knows that he's been forgiven of much, and so he loves much. When we know that we've been forgiven of much, it's hard to hold anything against anyone. Everything that's ever been done to us has subsequently been done to Jesus. Everything that you ever did to others, you did to Jesus. He told us himself that whatever you've done or not done to the least of these, you've done or not done unto me. And then when he finally did knock Saul off of his donkey, back when Saul was the number one jihadist, when he knocked Saul off of his donkey in the blinding light, Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Jesus is saying, what you've done to these people you've done to me, all of humanity is in Jesus. That's Colossians 1 and Colossians 3. And I'm saying this because I think that sometimes we think Jesus doesn't understand the pain that we feel or understand the hesitancy that we feel to forgive or the temptation to drink bitterness. And I also think that sometimes we just don't know how to forgive or, or if we think if we do forgive, then we're going to lose our power over someone or be weak if we forgive. But Jesus tells us in Matthew 5 that forgiving and reconciling friendships is more important than worship to him. He says, if you are at the altar offering a gift and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift. First go be reconciled to your brother. Could you imagine being in church and, and just singing, you are good, good, oh, stop it. Go fix the situation. Matthew 6 says that if we choose not to forgive, we'll choose to limit the flow of mercy and empowering grace in our life. That's Matthew 6.15. Thank you. Did I sound parched? Or my lips beginning to smack? <laughs> Thank you, Alexis. Unforgiveness is linked to all sorts of health problems, and this is known by the medical community. I don't think that we can really forgive someone until we perceive how we've been forgiven or the manner by which we've been forgiven. So I want to run over three options you have when you're offended. I'm going to personalize it. I'm going to use Casey. Let's say Casey has hurt me bad. He has sinned against me. He wronged me. You cut me real deep. And I go to Casey, I want to I deal with the situation. And so I say, Casey, I'll forgive you, man. We'll call it even if you give me a thousand bucks. 
is that forgiveness. Do you guys know what that's called? It's called restitution, which is when payment is rendered, like after a verdict, to, in order to earn justification. So, or, or what if I go to Casey and I say, man, you hurt me so bad, but I, I mean, if you just let me punch you in the face, we'll call it good. <laughs> is that forgiveness? What's that called? Retribution. Yeah. It's when physical harm is done to someone as payment for a wrong. It's the old eye for an eye or tooth for a tooth. But what if I go to Casey and I say, brother, you hurt me, but I forgive you because my connection with you is more important than any wrong I've ever suffered. But if I say our friendship is worth more than this thing that's between us and I'm not ever gonna bring it up again, I'm not gonna be counting trespasses while I reconcile us to one another. Does that sound like someone? So it's a complete pardon. Which one of these three did Jesus do for us from the cross? Option three, right? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> when all humanity had sinned against him for centuries, did he demand payment? On the contrary, he paid it from within himself. When humanity had sinned against him for centuries, did he lash out and extract physical harm or take a physical toll from us in order to level out some cosmic scales of justice? On the contrary, he took all of our torture and our violence upon himself. And in that moment, Jesus was showing us that he wasn't saving us from God. He was saving us from believing that we needed to be saved from God. See, Jesus was God's wrath, poured out against sin, and he is the champion over the father of lies, that great serpent who had been deceiving humanity since the beginning. Was Jesus a great judge coming to punish the great disobedience? Or was he the great physician coming to heal the great sickness? He delivered us from all of our spiritual foes who were pushing us off the cliffs of shame and fear and control. He delivered us from our fear of death, thereby destroying the power of the works of Satan. Our sins did not separate us from God. Because God came in Jesus and got into our deepest darkness and looked our sins right in the face. To say that God can't look upon sin is to say that Jesus isn't God. But there is a separation we have to deal with. It's that he has separated our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. Guys, think about that statement. 
as far as the east is from the west, what happens when you fly north? If you fly north as far as you possibly can, and let's say you can fly over the North Pole, what happens as soon as you crest it? You start flying south. So north and south do meet. What happens if you fly east? Will you ever find west? It means that he has removed our sins from us into a realm where we can never access them again. He became sin for us and the cross and took our sins down into the grave and left them there. Brothers and sisters, your sins are gone and dealt with. You have been pardoned. And we're called to forgive the same way that we've been forgiven. See, if we believe that the Father was paid off by Jesus, then when we have to forgive someone, we're going to look for how to extract payment. Or if we believe that the Father was pouring out his rage on Jesus, beating him and pouring out pain on him in order for us to be forgiven, then we will be looking for the person to feel the same kind of pain that they inflicted on us before they can be forgiven. But when you're in Christ, forgiveness is actually easy because we realize that we've been forgiven freely and we have an endless supply of grace within us to release debts. We love our enemies, and we want them to be blessed, don't we? Taking up our cross doesn't mean that we deny ourselves of all the pleasures in this life. It means that we're denying ourselves of the claims and demands of a false system of justice created by our own fallen minds. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, but I have better news. So tonight, join with me as we forgive people in the political party that we disagree with. Join with me as we forgive church leaders. We forgive family members. We forgive spouses. We forgive our abusers. And we forgive ourselves. And we forget what's behind and we press on to what's ahead. Guys, 2021 is going to be a glorious year of living burden-free, communing deeply and cultivating heaven's culture. And one of my favorite things that we get to do in 2021 is that we get to cast out fear with love. Did you guys feel his perfect love tonight, casting out fear in worship, in prayer, in celebration? I want to do something together. Just to close out tonight, can you stand with me? I want to pray a prayer where we're releasing people. A wise man once said that unforgiveness is drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. And so what we want to do is release people 
tonight specifically and let the Lord just extract every bit of poison from our systems. So this is participatory. I'm just going to lead us in a prayer. So Father, right now I ask that you'd bring to our minds someone or all the people that we need to forgive, the ones we need to let off the hook, the ones we need to pray for and bless tonight. Now just let them speak to you. Let them find the, uh, the five pound weights that we've been carrying. Like I said, it might be family members, it might be someone that you haven't even met, you've seen on TV. Now, repeat after me. Father, I ask you to forgive me for not forgiving them. But now that I know, I ask that you bless them and remove every weight that I've carried and cleanse me from all unrighteousness and pull the poison of bitterness from my veins. I'm going to pray over us. Father, I ask that 2021 would be such a year of victory that it would be written about for hundreds and thousands of years. <laughs> God, that even if stuff around us doesn't look right, stuff inside us does. Father, that our connection with you grows and deepens our joy in your presence, explodes the celebration of recognizing and living in the good news grows in our life. Ask that you would heal broken bodies, broken hearts, broken marriages. Ask that you would make up a room Frisco uh, like a, an altar where the incense of praise and, and prayer rises up and your glory falls down. In Jesus' name, amen.